0: Matthew 18 <clears throat> And if you are able to stand, we are making progress through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to cover 14 verses, but uh, I'm not sure if we're going to touch on each particular verse through the sermon, but I at least want to read this. Matthew 18:1 through14: 1 through 14. 1 through 14. Again, uh, I believe Raymond Barber, I'm not sure if that's where we heard it from, but I love the fact that when we open the Bible, we open the mind of God. We're reading the mind of God. Verse 1, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off... And cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed. Rather than having two hands or two feet. To be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee. Pluck it out. And cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye. Rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, <clears throat> for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the 90 and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Now before I read verse 14, it almost appears, it almost appears that the Lord is on a different subject. He's talked about hell. Now he's talked about evangelism, going after the lost. But if you pay close attention, he brings it back together in verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these, what's it say? Little ones. ones. Now, who was in the midst of the disciples and Jesus? A little child. The title, (coughs) the title, a chief or a child? a chief, or a child. I read verse 14 again. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let's pray. Father, may the Holy Spirit help us as we study your word. May you lead, guide, direct. You know the need of every heart in the room. You know those who have had struggles this week. You know those who are carrying burdens, Their heart is heavy. I pray that they would be mindful that you as the good shepherd are there to help bear that burden. Help them to know that they can cast their burden upon you. For you care for them. I pray, Lord, you'd help us see and seize the opportunities that you give us to be a witness. Help us be motivated in in the ministry that you've called us all to. Help us, Lord God, to have the right disposition amongst those who are around us, the right attitude, the right spirit. May the love of Christ fill our hearts. May you be glorified and our faith be strengthened. Bless our special music. Help us as we listen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Like, powerful. I heard her practice, but it had a little extra on it right here. I I don't know. That was... uh... That was powerful. I was just thinking about the Lord leading us and how, you know, we'll always look back and we can understand it. But sometimes we don't understand it as we're going through it. But the assurance we can have is if we are following, if we are looking to him, he will lead us in the right path. And sometimes that leadership I can't imagine Job would have said, yeah, I'm I'm excited about going that direction. (laughs) But when it was all said and done, he'd say, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he would see his kids in heaven too, his family. Well, I want us to get our mind back on Matthew 18. Matthew 18, that was just a tremendous song. Matthew 18, verse 1. And I want us to visualize, if we can, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This uh, passage, this portion of scripture is found in Mark and in Luke. Some of you may have a Bible that actually gives the comments. It gives the notes as to where you can find that story. But in Mark and Luke, it's written different. In Mark and Luke, it reads kind of like this, uh, Lord... Who is the greatest or who is the greatest among us? They were concerned about who was chief. What was it to be chief? How do I become chief, the leader, the boss, the authority? How do I gain power? This was their mind. Not unlike many people in the world. Hello? And listen, even children of God struggle with thinking like the world. Hello? I mean, we were born with that world nature. And we tend to think like that. That's why we need the mind of God to help correct our thinking. And so they had the Lord Jesus there to teach them. And they asked Him, now who's the greatest? And the Lord Jesus does something in in response to their question, and you got to visualize this. You got to visualize these guys standing around. Maybe they're sitting at the time, and they begin to inquire. Actually, in Mark, they were arguing amongst each other, and the Lord said, "What you argue, arguing about?" And they discovered, "Well, who's the greatest? Who's the leader here amongst us? Is it Peter? Is it James, John, or Bartholomew? And <clears throat> who is it?" And the Lord gave different responses. There's more to the whole narrative than what we read here. But this particular narrative is very significant. So they're sitting down and he sees a little child. I don't know how old this child is. We'll say he's five years old. Maybe his mom and he are walking the streets and he, he sees a little child and he says, come over here. And certainly mom feels comfortable about his child, her child being with Jesus. Every parent should feel good about their child being with Jesus. And so the child comes to Jesus, and he's there in the middle. He sits down, and I can visualize Jesus maybe putting him on his lap. And then the Lord begins to talk to the disciples about the child. Verse 2, it seems like he's totally disregarded their question. Their question was, who's chief? But verse 2 Verse 2 says this, it says, and Jesus. well, verse 2 and 3. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, as he looks up, and as the child is now the center of attention. You see, their focus was on whose chief Jesus wanted to get them to focus on the child or the children. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted... And become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hold the coffee, that was not the question. They weren't concerned about who's entering the kingdom of heaven. They were concerned about who's going to be boss. Who's going to be the authority? Who gets to play Moses? Or Joshua? We weren't thinking about going where we're going to spend eternity and all of that. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. I think you got your priorities all out of whack. And the Lord will proceed from verse 3 all the way to verse 14 to teach them a lesson through the child. He will answer their question, but He'll do much, much more. The question will be answered. And so what do we learn from children? What do we learn here? First of all, verse 3 teaches us about the faith of a child. The simple dependency a child has in their mom and dad in authority. Now I realize today's children are probably different than children of that day because of this. Knowledge has increased. The ability to access things, even for little children, has increased. It is unfortunate. We could have said this 30 years ago, and then we could have said it 30 years prior, but it is unfortunate, ladies and gentlemen, I think you'd agree with me, that children, for the most part, especially in America, grow up quicker now than they did some 30, 40 years ago because of what's filling their mind and their ears. And even when you were a child, to be quite honest, the children of your generation grew up quicker than the children of this generation. Because there was knowledge, there was TV, there was radio, there were things accessible. Now, I think there's a fine balance a parent has to have when it comes to raising children and, and sheltering them, yet not... Uh, sheltering them to the degree that we can't, to the degree where they don't learn anything, they don't develop social skills. Hello. They need to learn social skills. But there is great wisdom, parent, in protecting your child from the evil influences and, may I say, perverse, immoral, obscene things of this world. If you can do it, you need to do it. And you're responsible. There are kids seeing things today that adults shouldn't look at. <clears throat> but I need you to think in terms of this culture, this child. This child is dependent. And the Lord, first of all, wants the disciples to know about the faith of children. And he clarifies it. I could say this. He, he It's as though he's saying, you know, uh, going to heaven, just getting into heaven is far, getting in the kingdom of God is far greater than who's chief when they get there. You don't need to be worrying about that. The most important thing, number one, is are you getting there? Hello? It doesn't matter how much you've done on this earth. If you don't get to heaven, you're going to say bye-bye when you take your last breath. And you may not even get a chance to say bye-bye. It's gone. Everything you've invested your life in, everything you've given your heart to, everything that you've allowed yourself to be entertained by, it's gone. Goodbye, world, goodbye. You better hope you're ready. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus says to the disciples, I say it again, I'll read it again. Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not... What's the word? What does your Bible say? Enter. Enter the kingdom of heaven. The Lord has a way of being direct when He wants to be. I'm glad He doesn't sugarcoat it. it makes it real clear. Some of us need it real clear. Man, I I just need to know what's being said. He told old Nicodemus, you must be born again. Or you won't even see the kingdom of God. And so this faith of children of children I mean you tell them to get in the back of the car and you drive and they assume they're going to get there safely they should <clears throat> It's hard for me to use children nowadays and compare them to children back then are you hearing me cuz we got some little rebels running around I know we do <clears throat> There, and, and if I start using too many illustrations, you're going to say, "Not my child. No, not That's not my child." And so it's like I'm kind of stuck here. And so you have to try to think in in the in the culture that we're dealing with. They did not have electronics. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have TV or radio. They didn't have cartoons. They didn't have movies. I mean, they didn't have. They didn't have that stuff. Okay. They just didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have the obscenities on the billboards, but there were obscenities that took place in the, this world. There was wickedness and vulgarity and immorality in the same world because humanity has not changed. It's just more accessible now to the human eye and the human ear. Now, <clears throat> Jesus pulls his child in and all the disciples understood, Oh yeah, okay. Except you become as little children. Well, children are dependent. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to be dependent in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. I mean, let Him do the driving. I mean, we should be the ones just resting in the fact that now that I've trusted Him, my salvation is secure. I'm his child. By the way, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're going on 99. You're still God's little child. I'm telling you, there's some comfort in that. There's some comfort in that. And so the next thing I notice, verse 4, because I've got to cover all of this. I really want to cover the, what I've got written here. Verse 4, whosoever, he moves on as he continues to keep the child in the forefront of the disciples. He said, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as what? Greatest. Now he's answering the question. Or at least in their mind. In their mind, now, that was what we were getting at. But it doesn't matter if you're not saved. Hello? And number two, though. Number two, you want to know who the greatest is? The one who has humility like a child. Now, what does that mean? Let me give you a couple thoughts here. See, children, for the most part, know they are children and not adults. I realize you get into the teenage level, that could be a different story. By the way, the word teenager was not used till till the 20th century. You all realize that? It wasn't even used. Now we've given, we've branded teenager as an excuse to still act a little stupid. <laughs> well, they're just teenagers. They're not full-blown adults. They didn't get an excuse back in the 19th century. Are you all hearing me? That's, I'm telling you the truth. I, I know my history. The term teenager. Now listen, I was a teenager, so I loved it. I'm not knocking you. It was a great time to justify bad behavior. I'm just a teenager. I'm a teenager. You know, when I wanted to be an adult, hey, 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 I'm a teenager. I mean, you want the priv- I want the privileges of an adult, but uh, then again, you uh, want to be able to justify the behavior of a child. Ah, that's the teenage. That's a little parenthesis in our life. 65? Okay, hold on, buddy. Uh, so, anyways. They, they have to, they have to, uh, they know they're not adults when it comes to children. And children trust their parents for the most part, for the most part, this idea of humility. Children are teachable. They're teachable. Hey, I, hey buddy, I'm going to have to ask you to step, step out. You just, you're just making too much noise. And if you can't help it, I'm going to control it here. Just slip on out. Head out the door right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to have order in the church. So, and I will make sure we have order in the church. So, Okay, all right, we're ready. That gets the blood flowing a little bit. All right, let's try to uh, try to get our focus back here. I know this is exciting. You can go home and say, boy, you look what happened at church today. Oh, man, I didn't get anything out of the sermon, but man, you should have seen it. I, listen, I've had so many crazy things take place in church services, I could write a book. And one day when I retire, I will. I will. I've had some stuff that I'm like, It's funny now. It wasn't funny then, you know, so. (laughs) Anyways, anyways, Jesus is getting their focus on a child. First of all, the faith of a child. Second of all, the humility of a child in the sense that this child, this child understood, I'm not an adult. And I'm telling you, The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the person who knows I'm not where I plan I'm not what I'm not mature I need help I need help I need food I need a place to stay I I need the assistance of authority Hello I need the assistance of my parents dear child of God The child of God who's great in the kingdom of God understands, I need the assistance of my Father. That's humility. That's humility. Next, being teachable, being more concerned about who you follow than who's following you. Hello? But he moves on, verse 5, verse 5, let's let the Bible talk. Jesus says now, and whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. So we talked about the faith of children, the humility of children, but now the heart for children. It's like the Lord says, I'm going to take your subject, and I want to take what's going on in your hearts, and I want want to adjust it and get you thinking right. I want you to understand that this little child... When you receive children in my name, you honor me. You honor me. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's absolutely vital that we reach the children. If you did any reading on the Holocaust and Nazism and all of that, you know the crowd that was reached and most influenced first was the children it took about 10 to 15 years of controlling the children and teaching them this Nazism before they came adults, and man, they were all in to that wickedness. They didn't know better. It is vital as a child of God that we, re- hey, parents, it's your responsibility to bring your kids to Jesus. Let alone, though, hey, the kids in your neighborhood, man. That's why we run buses, I wish we run more. That's why we have Vacation Bible School. That's why we have a junior church for the children to get a message specifically for them. That's why we have Sunday school classes. Thank God for these teachers who are willing to do this and miss this service and miss all the exciting things that take place in this service. You know, to be able to minister to the children. I mean, thank God for that. Thank God we have a nursery and a toddler class. We do this, I mean, God raised up people so we could do it, but we do this because one, we wanna reach, to children. We want to help the children learn about Jesus. And we do everything we can to help bring order and help them understand the truth. Obviously, when you reach children, yeah, you're going to have all kinds of things go on. (coughs) And certainly in this day and age, the idea of keeping order even in the bus ministry and the children's ministry can be as chaotic and more so than keeping order in this service. (laughs) <clears throat> but Jesus says, when you receive them, you receive me. I hope you and I would understand that. We would grasp that. When we see the buses come in with us, even if you see the kids running, I listen, I, we all ought to be, be careful of the children when the church lets out because they got to go to the buses. And sometimes, sometimes they got a mind of their own. Sometimes their, their path to the bus is not a straight line. And, and, and they don't pay attention to the backup lights. And so, hey, listen, we got to be careful in that area. With this idea of having a heart for children. By the way, when, we, when we're reaching children, let alone reaching others for Jesus, it's hard to think about yourself when you're trying to bring someone else to Jesus. You're not going to be thinking about who's chief when you're trying to win a child, let alone an adult, who cares? I want to just bring someone to Jesus. For every child of God, it's, utmost, it's of utmost importance we understand it's more important who we are following than who's following us. If there are people following us because I'm following Jesus, that's great. But I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to let them, I'm not, the record is not stuck. I'm not going to let them dictate whether or not I follow Jesus. Because sometimes me following Jesus might irritate the fire out of those who are following me. Oh, well, I got to follow Jesus. So we move on. This is fun. We're just working our way through the scripture here. All right, let's look at verse 6 through 10. This is... Hindering children now. Hindering children. Verse 6, the Bible says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me. Did you catch that? Which believe in me. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Oh, mercy. You need to understand that Jesus said that. What's a millstone? A millstone was a great big rounded stone They that they used to grind wheat and barley and grain into a powder so that they could make bread out of it. Often the millstone was so big they would use a mule or a donkey to pull it. Remember Samson? Remember Samson when they blinded him? The Philistines had him grinding. He was pulling a millstone around like, a, like an animal. So it was a heavy stone that took some brute strength to move. And Jesus said, <clears throat> if you offend one of these little children who believe in me, it would be better that one of those millstones were strapped around your neck and they dropped you like the mafia. He didn't say that. <laughs> they dropped you in the middle of the sea, bloop, 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 and just left you there. You reckon the disciples, as they heard Jesus say that, realize, uh, this is pretty important to him. Now, that word offend, that's a very, very important word, that word offend. Um, <clears throat> the word offend has the idea of hindering, being a stumbling block, or turning. Do you realize a child can love Jesus and then be turned in such a way in their heart? to not want to follow Jesus. Let me just say to whoever brings about that turn, great, great will be the fall thereof. One of the things we as parents don't want to do is we don't want to be a hindrance. We want to be a help. As a church, we don't want to be a hindrance. We want to be a help. We want to make it as easy as possible for people to come to Jesus. We want to make it as easy as possible for children to come to Jesus. Does that mean let the little Johnny do whatever he wants? No, absolutely not. you got to maintain order. If you're the mom and dad, you're the authority. But on the same token, I mean, if I cuss and I use the Lord's name in vain... Hello? If I cuss and I use the Lord's name in vain... If they see me smoking and drinking and being immoral and unfaithful and, they, and I'm, I don't have a heart for the things of God and they see me watching programs that are just vulgar and yet my little Susie comes home singing Jesus loves me, after a while I could be a big, I could be immediate hindrance. Immediate hindrance. Are you hearing me? I'm just telling you what Jesus said here. Let's look at it again now. The idea of offend means to, to hinder, to be a stumbling block, or even to turn to apostas to make apostate. Many of you probably know kids who's like, what happened? They loved the Lord when they were a little bitty. What happened? And I'm not saying, it's not parents. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of... Things going on in this world. and obviously, kids make decisions. I know that. But I'm just telling you, Jesus said, Woe. He said, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and then he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Verse 7: Woe unto the world (coughs) because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. It's because we live in a sinful, ungodly world that (coughs) Right now, the prince of the power of the air rules, which is the devil. One day, Jesus is coming, and he's taking over. Okay, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh, verse 8. Now, you need to look at this. Verse 8 and 9, we discover this. He tells us a little little bit about hell. He says, you know, hell is so bad. Hell is so bad that if, if your hand is holding on to something that would keep you from coming to Jesus, you'd be better off cutting your hand off. If your eye is so fixed upon something that it would keep you from looking to Jesus, you'd be better to pluck your eyes out. If your foot, if you are walking in places that are so bad, they keep you from coming to Jesus, he said, I'm telling you, hell is so bad, it'd be better for you to go to heaven without your feet. It'd be better for you to go to heaven without your hands. It'd be better for you to go to heaven without your eyes than to go to hell with everything you have right now. That's what Jesus is saying. You reckon, you reckon the disciples, as they heard Jesus say this, thought, oh, he's just joshing. <laughs> I guarantee, does it appear in the reading that Jesus was trying to emphasize something? Those are strong words, ladies and gentlemen. Those are strong words. And so this idea of hindering. May God help us and keep us from being a hindrance. May God help us to do all we can to reach the children. And by the way, I'm going to go, uh, I could get ahead of myself, so I'm going to back it up here. There's something I want to say, Lord willing, I'll remember it when we get to this last point. I want to say this, those children are easily influenced. They are easily influenced. And obviously, they're, they're more easily influenced by the pleasures of their flesh in the world than they are the things of God. That's just a fact. And so, we listen, if you're Christianity... If your Christianity looks like you've been sucking on a lemon all day, friend, that's not very appealing. (laughs) Your little child's thinking, I don't want that. But if they hear godly music in your home, oh. I said if they hear godly music in your home. And if they hear you getting up in the morning now and then singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Or... It's going to be a great day since I've been born, or or, or uh, it's amazing what praising can do. I know they want to put me on the solo list, but <clears throat> I mean, if, if, if your children hear you s- singing stuff like that, that's going to have an effect on them, let alone the music you listen to. So they're easily influenced. One of the greatest sins is to teach others to sin against God. I want to take you to verse 10. Verse 10. I know it's noon. Hold the coffee. We're almost done. We're we're coming. I see the landing zone. I can see it. Verse 10. Take heed, Jesus says, that ye despise not one of these little ones. I mean, this is on the Lord's heart. They're, They're concerned about a chief. Who's going to be chief? And the Lord's concerned about children. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you that on the authority of God's word, I believe every child has a an guardian angel. On the authority of God's word, every child has an angel. You say, what about the aborted babies? They're in glory. Now the murderers, they're going to give an account. Those little babies are in Glory. A little child that can't make a decision on their own. If anything happens, then they go to glory. By the way, it's very important for us to understand that our Heavenly Father loves our children more than we do. Our Heavenly Father loves the people around us more than we do. The people you love most in your life, are you don't love them any more than your Heavenly Father. And it's very important for you to know this, dear child of God. Dear child of God, it's very important for you to know this. He loves you as much as you Love your children. Oh, you love your children, right? Isn't that comforting to know that I can't love my children any more than my father loves me? We're on his heart. Well, you reckon if uh, he was willing to be crucified for us, he's going to keep us on on his mind. Now, Verse, I'm going to skip verse 11 and 12 and 13 because I think I'm going to preach on it next week. He talks about if a man has a hundred sheep and he has one go astray, how hard he'll and diligent he'll work to find that one that goes astray and how when he brings them home he rejoices. And then he comes to verse 14. It's almost as though he's talking about children, not just, not just little children in the human sense, but the children that are ready to be God's children if someone would bring them the gospel. He says in verse 14, even so it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. It is the will of God that you and I go after everybody. And in going after everybody, we're going to find somebody. Oh, oh don't miss this. In going after everybody, we're going to find somebody who as a child is simply going to put their faith in Jesus. Oh, don't get all bent out of shape of those who aren't interested. Oh, there's, the, there's somebody out there. There's a little lost lamb. And by the way, by the way, some of you were that one sheep. Somebody went out of their way to find you. Somebody went out of the way to get you and bring you back to Jesus. Somebody went out of their way to tell you the truth. Now, you may have been brought up in a Christian home and praise the Lord for that. But somebody paid the price that you, for you to hear the gospel. <clears throat> Children are more receptive to the gospel than adults. How many of you, how many of you with an uplifted hand? I'll be done. Just give me just three minutes. How many of you with an uplifted hand? With an uplifted hand were saved age 15 or under? Would you raise your hand? Uh, take a peek around. Keep your hands up. Take a peek around. Look around, ladies and gentlemen. That is the majority in this house. 15 and under, the majority of the people in here made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you were twenty to 15, 15 to 20, 16 to 20 when you got saved? Any of you remember that? Okay, that's not a big crowd there. Not a big crowd. How about this? How many, how many of you were saved, say, in your 20s to 30? You got saved in your 20s. Okay, that's a... Not bad. How many of you were saved in your 30s and 40s? Would you raise your hand? All right. All right. How many of you were saved in your 50s? A couple of you. A few. How many were saved in your 60s? 60s? Good. We got one. Two. How many were saved in their 70s? Do we have any in their 70s that were saved? How many were saved in this house in your 80s? Anybody in your 80s? 90s? You see, what I'm trying to point out is this. Statistically, as people get older, they're not as receptive to the gospel. It doesn't mean they can't get saved because I know 80 and 90-year-olds have received Christ. So when should we be reaching them? When, who should who's the group we should be pursuing where should we be focusing the I mean we want to reach everybody but right now where's the harvest ripe and ready and it's not getting any easier because of all the influences in this world I mean we bring them here and it's like you've got five seconds to get their attention or they're in la-la land I mean, give me some cartoons, give me an action movie, give me this or that. I mean, the world's witchcraft will capture their attention just like that. The child of God is going to have to work hard. But I'm here to tell you, it's not the will of the Father that any of them should perish. And I close with this. How many of you heard of D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody. Most of you in this room, okay? If you haven't heard of him, let me tell you briefly about D.L. Moody. For the few hands, that didn't go up. D.L. Moody was an evangelist in the late 1800s from like 1850 to 1892, okay? So that's ancient history. All this is amazing though because his name still is very familiar to Christians today in his evangelistic work. It is said that he most likely uh, in his ministry... Saw over one million people make a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's a big time there. He preached uh, here in America and he went to England some five times. And I'm telling you, he he only had an eighth grade education. Eighth grade education. He went to England, and the higher critics looked at him and said, "Man, that guy, that guy is slaughtering the king's English, you know." And they just thought he was a nut. But the common people heard him gladly. He spoke in a way that everybody could understand. He didn't make things up, and he didn't he didn't uh, he didn't do the preacher talk and stuff like. That. No, no, he just he'd get up there and talk to people. <laughs> when he first got saved, how did this guy get started? When he first got saved, he was in Chicago. He was, he was about 14, year, 14, 15 years old. He wasn't called a teenager. He was taking care of himself. He was working for a shoe salesman. And this man, the owner of the shop, Mr. Kimball, was a Christian man and had a burden for him. And finally was able to share the gospel and Mr. Moody... Receive Jesus. Shortly after that, it's like Mr. Moody realized, well, the most important thing a person could ever do is get saved, and then the next most important thing a person could ever do is share this with somebody else. Is there anything more important? I mean, honestly. I mean, you give them a million dollars, but you don't give them Jesus, where are they going to spend eternity? That's right. A little child understood that. He started inviting people to church. As he got into his 20s, he would rent a wagon and pick up children on the streets and bring them to church. He got a nickname. They called him Crazy Moody. And the church that he went to, it wasn't a Baptist church. The church he went to, it was weird back. Then. They had some some of those denominations did some weird things. <clears throat> you had to pay for a pew if you were going to have seats. So he'd take his money that he earned during the week, and he would use that money, take just enough to be able to survive, and he'd, he'd buy a pew for his kids, and he'd use money for the horse and wagon, he'd pick up these, and he also, you know what else he did? He gave candy to those kids, can you believe that? He bribed those kids to come to church. <laughs> he gave them little suckers, little hard candy, Oh, that little deceiver. Thousands of children. Matter of fact, it got so crazy that the, the, the preacher of the church said, uh, Mr. Modi, we can't handle this many. So he started getting involved with the... Uh, I almost acted stupid. I never act stupid. The YMCA. Almost. <laughs> the Lord is giving me restraint. He's restraining me. Thank the Lord. He started getting involved in it. Back then it was actually young men's Christian, Christian, big emphasis on the C. He got involved in that ministry and he brought the kids in by the hundreds and hundreds and thousands. And then you know what God did? God put a little extra touch on them. And adults started getting saved. And some of these local pastors out and about from Chicago in Chicago and the smaller towns, we'd like to have him come in and speak. He's got, he, he has a way of talking to people. He started getting invites and then he started having these crusades. And people started coming. Where did it all start? Where did it all start? He's reaching the children. This is Missions Month. It starts in our Jerusalem. In a good place? Hey, let's reach everybody. But let's reach the children. I know, I know in today's age, we've got to be very cautious because there are weirdos out there and you don't want to be identified as a weirdo. I understand that. You've got to be cautious. You can tell those parents, hey, we've got a safe haven here at the Lighthouse Baptist Church. We have Sunday school classes. We have youth nights. It's a great time. And sometimes if the kids get excited, they can bring that home and their parents start coming. I got to wrap it up. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for the Bible. May the Holy Spirit help us. Help us to be attentive to your voice. The greatest business in the world, Lord, is soul business. We who know the truth have a great responsibility. I ask, Father, that you'd minister to hearts with every head bowed and every eye closed, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are not 100% certain that heaven would be your home right now, maybe in your heart you'd say, Preacher, I don't want to go to hell. But I'm not sure I will go to heaven. If that is you, I'd like to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up so I can see it? Is there anybody here like that that'd say, preacher, that's me. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand up so I can see it as I look around? Anybody? Say, pray for me. I'm just not sure. Pray for me. Okay. Okay. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know in your heart that Jesus is your Savior? Lord, may you bless her invitation, minister to hearts, and the one that raised her hand, I pray, Father, that, Lord, she would talk to the dear lady next to her. I pray, Father, you encourage her. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian,